Well, 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 the day has come, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for tuning in to the first, the inaugural edition of The Blitz Period, hosted by me, Jalen Ross, the owner of Sooner Sports Daily, the, the website and the Instagram account and the Facebook page. Uh, so if you found me on here from whether it's being on the JP and Traff show, the PG show, uh, the, the Barry and Max show, shout out to them because they're the reason that we're making this happen right now. Uh, you found me on superscoop.com or uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, Kick, whatever the case may be. I'm glad you're here. So thank you all for tuning in today. Not going to be a long one. We're just going to go ahead and dive into a little bit of Bedlam. Going to talk a little bit of team news and some recruiting stuff. So it's not really a long itinerary for today. But I do want to talk about the future of this podcast real quick. So my plans for it and this being a uh, something that I've started late in the season, we're going to have a lot of guests in the off season. And uh, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you are aware of the half hundred podcast with my guy, Blake and Kobiak. And uh, I'll definitely have him on here a few times. Uh, I'll have my guy Barry on here. have my guy D Mac on here, have a lot of people on here, have some former players, try to get some current players we will have one Jackson Arnold on in the future, so make sure you guys keep your eyes up for that. We haven't scheduled a date yet, but we'll get it happen soon. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we've got, we got Hayes Fawcett on here next week, so we've got some recruiting stuff to talk about. We plan to get that out next Wednesday, and so we'll have that for your listening pleasure throughout your Thanksgiving week. Uh, gather around the table with the family and listen to some OU football recruiting news, right? Like, what's better than that? But anyway, uh, let's just go ahead and get into it. So, Bedlam. Um, now the true definition of the word bedlam is a state of uproar and confusion. And I think that's where we're sitting right now, because I'm really kind of unsure on where this thing is going to go this week. And the reason being like before the week, and I'll say this like Sunday, I had this view in my mind that. Oklahoma didn't have a shot in this game. I th thought Oklahoma Oklahoma State was going to come out and play their best football this weekend. But since I've kind of taken that back and drawn myself to a point where I think this is going to be a game where Oklahoma has a bigger shot than we think. I mean, they're favored by, I believe, a touchdown to win the game. But... Think about all the think about all the implications that come into it because you're talking about you're talking about it being Bedlam, which is big enough already. I mean, you're talking about bragging rights in the state and pride and all that. You take into account that you're fighting for bowl eligibility. It's senior night. Some of these guys' last chance against Oklahoma State. Not only that, but this is a team they lost to last year, so they're going to come in with a little bit more motivation. Last one at home. That's going to mean something to everybody in that stadium. Um. Big recruiting weekend, which is going to matter to us, the fans. And then, you know, you talk about it being a primetime game on ABC. Like, there's so much that goes into it. And to me, Oklahoma in this game, like, it's not going to take much because Oklahoma State's not playing the same football they played at the start of the season. I mean, they've been very banged up recently. Spencer Sanders has had a little shoulder issue. He says he'll play. Mike Gundy says he's going to leave it up to Spencer. So we'll see what comes on Saturday. If he does indeed run out there first on that first drive. And if he does, who's to say he plays the whole game? Because as Oklahoma, you're going to have a shot to take him out. So 
and I and I'm not saying like hurt the guy on purpose, but make him regret playing, to put it in a nicer way. So um, again, on Oklahoma State, you know, defensively they, they had they're not the same, not even anywhere close to what they were last year. Because um, like I think back to last year, I thought Oklahoma was going to lose that game simply because of the fact that they were struggling on offense. And Oklahoma State had one of the best defenses in college football last year. But this year they have a defense that's given up 450 yards a game, 128th in the country in passing yards allowed. And, I mean, their run defense, I want to say, is somewhere in the 80s. And I can't say much because Oklahoma's run defense has been awful. But their their run defense hasn't been great either. So um, you're going to have an elite opportunity in this game. And, I mean, for the OU offense – for the OU offense, it's going to be a case where you've got opportunities, as my man Levy would say, to score from far. You're going to have chances to get the ball in the air because, like, you talk about somebody like a Marvin Mims who struggled last week. And the thing I love about Jeff Levy is, like, Levy's basically saying, I don't care if the guy dropped the ball, I'm going to keep throwing it to him because of the kind of threat he is. And I think last year you had this issue where Marvin wasn't getting the same amount of reps he was getting. Well, not reps, but the same amount of looks he was getting in 2020. Now you come in this year, and they're going to keep feeding him. They don't care if – I mean, you think about the Iowa State game. Struggled in that one, came out the next week. They connected on a deep ball. He scores a touchdown against Baylor. Now, last week he dropped the ball uh, against West Virginia, and you know we all know that situation. But got a chance to get him going this weekend. Could be his last one in the Palace as well if he does decide to move on and go to the league. Um, Jalil Farouk, the Elise, I mean, anybody on the outside, you're going to have an opportunity to connect on some long balls. And then in the run game, Oklahoma State has a defense that's given up, I think, since the TCU game, they've given up around 200-something yards on the ground. They've given up six yards of carry, and Eric Gray has been playing some of the best football in the country right now. He's somewhere in the top in the country when it comes to yards of carry. I think he's averaging like six a carry. So. He's got an opportunity to play to have a big one this weekend, and it definitely is going to be his last one in the Palace because, honest truth, this is probably one of his last two games because if Oklahoma does indeed make a bowl game, he ain't got no reason to play. Like, go ahead, sit out, keep yourself healthy, go make some money, go get you something on Sundays. He's going to be a star. So uh, Eric Gray's got an opportunity to have a big game this week. And defensively for Oklahoma – and I'm going to go ahead and address this just real quick because I know there's been some stuff circulating on Twitter about suspensions and stuff like that. And just to kind of comment on that situation, nobody's been suspended from what I know. It's really just guys getting benched. I know there's rumors about there of guys getting kicked off and stuff like that. Like that, all that stuff isn't happening. It's just guys getting benched guys that probably won't see the same amount of minutes they usually do. Now, one of the names that got thrown in there is Danny Stutzman. And I don't know, again, I don't really think there's anything to that, but take it however you may. I mean, I'm not reporting anything, but if word on the street is that Danny Stutzman won't be starting against Oklahoma State, then you're going to have a shot to get someone like Jaron Kanick in there and see what he can do early on. Uh, now, again, I'm not reporting anything, so don't take that and run with it. But let's just act like Danny Stutzman's playing. So Danny Stutzman's playing. Danny Stutzman's leading the Big 12 in total tackles. Uh, got an opportunity for a big one. I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's offense has, has crashed recently. Um, they only had 244 yards against Iowa State. And, I mean, you talk about a Spencer Sanders who came in. He's banged up. They had no passing attack last week. 
I haven't watched Gunnar Gundy play, so I don't know if he really has the it factor. But with Spencer Sanders being banged up, I mean, that 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 knocks you up already because I, I say this. Like, I think if Spencer Sanders was 100% fully healthy, then Oklahoma's in trouble. But the sole fact that Spencer Sanders is hurt gives you a chance because he's playing wounded. So you've got an opportunity to get after him. Like, and I'll get into that later on my keys to the game. But Oklahoma State offensively, I mean, they've got some dudes. You talk about a Bryson Green, a Brennan Presley, um, you know, a, 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 a – some other guys they've got. I mean, I, I didn't. I can't remember all the names, but they've got some guys. But again, they haven't really been what they were at the start of the season when Sanders was was fully ago. So, and I mean, again, Oklahoma State's a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, but I think Tyler Lacey won't be playing in this game, from what I hear. Uh, I want to say there was word that Trace Ford was. Well, Trace Ford is out. He's out for the season. I think. Um, and then Colin Oliver, I want to say hat was banged up. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of attrition for Oklahoma state really on both sides of the ball. So they're going to be coming in this game wounded, but obviously with something proof. Um, but, but as far as Oklahoma and, you know, I talked about the point of, uh, never mind. I lied. Trace Ford is not injured. I don't know where I got that from. Um, I think I was talking to somebody earlier, and I just thought about that out of the blue. But anyway, uh, Oklahoma State dealing with injuries. Yes, they have been pretty banged up recently. So um, we'll see how much that gets them. But Trace Ford was out last week, so I think that's where I got that from. But I guess the word on the block is just that he's been pretty banged up throughout the season, so I guess he'll be out this week. I don't really know the entire injury report yet. But uh, I'm just here for the preview. So anyway, um, for Oklahoma, like keys to the game, really. For Oklahoma, I think I talked about this earlier. Your number one key, got to get Eric Gray going. Got to have a chance. <coughs> or excuse me, going to have a chance to get him going on the ground. And by the way, I've been talking about this team all week. So I probably am going to cough in your ears throughout the episode because it's been death. So anyway, um, got to get Eric Gray going. That's going to be a key factor. Uh, but the number one key, I think, really is getting after Spencer Sanders because, again, guy's been banged up, um, you know, an offense that's been struggling. And I know D-line has been a main concern for a lot of people. Kind of has been for me. It's like they're not really getting after the quarterback as much as they were earlier in the season. But who knows? Maybe they just wake up on the right side of the bed this week and they play their best football because, I mean, in Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, uh, you know, and Isaiah Coe, Jeffrey Johnson, I mean, uh, Jordan Kelly, Jalen Redmond, any name you can think of, they're going to have some chances to get Spencer Sanders rattled. Because even thinking back to last year, Spencer turned the ball over three times, threw two interceptions, and had a fumble as well, I believe. And I think one of them was a pick six to Woody Washington. So, going to have a chance to get Sanders uh, out of place. I mean, who knows if he ends up playing the entire game, whether he gets re-injured or if he's just like not feeling good. But Spencer Sanders, I mean, he's not that he I won't say he's got that dog in him, but he seems like the kind of guy that like he doesn't care if he's if he has to play with one leg in Bedlam, he's gonna play. So um your key factor really comes down to your defense. Your defense has got to have had a hell of a game this week. I mean, you're gonna have to, to put it together because here's the deal, like to me, and it may not seem like it to a lot of people. 
this defense has improved from where they were against Kansas State or TCU. Like, like with that Kansas State game, I've made this point already. Offensively played well enough. Offense played well enough to win that game. You lost that game because your defense could not contain Adrian Martinez. And that's why I say, like, if Spencer Sanders was fully healthy, this team would be in, 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 a, in a completely different situation because Sanders is a guy who can use his legs. So, and we know you has a problem with that. Like, we gave a shout-out to Neil Brown last night on the JP and Trap show because it was a smart decision to pull JT Daniels. Like, Daniels wasn't playing awful to where you needed to bench him, but you knew this is a defense that can't stop a running quarterback, and they make every guy look like Seneca Wallace. So, you've got to bring a guy and Garrett Green in, and he goes out and wins the game for you. So, a defense compared to where they, from where they were in September to where they are now, they've they've improved. Like they're they're in position. They look a little bit better on communication, but again, there's often times where you know they're not where they're supposed to be. And like, here's a point about Saturday from last week. And I'm tired of talking about West Virginia, but I'm doing it anyway. I made this point on the page. And uh, one of those rants and uh, <coughs> one of the rants or one of the points was. How can you get on to the coaches when you've got guys that are in position to make plays plenty of times and they just don't do it? I can't blame the coaches for. A guy not getting his head around when the ball's in the air because. As a DB coach, you can scream that all day. It's just a matter if the guy does it. Like for a DB, that that's that's a fundamental, really, for a DB. When the ball's in the air, you gotta know it's in the air. You gotta know it's there. Like get your head around that. That's a common phrase. That's a common thing. And, and again, like for somebody like a Woody Washington, you know he knows that. Woody Washington's been one of the best corners in the conference for the last couple years. So. You know he knows that. You know somebody like Trey Morrison, who's played a ton of football, knows he has to get his head around. But oftentimes, DBs, you kind of just have that instinct to, and that's, I mean, that is an instinct, getting your head around. But at the same time, you kind of have just that natural habit of when you're going man-to-man with a guy, you just look at him, and you often forget to get your head around. And I'm not trying to make that as an excuse, but I'm just saying, I can't blame the coaches for the touchdown they gave up to Bryce Ford Wheaton on that catch he had on Woody Washington or the the the, the play that was that Trey Morrison got caught on. Like, I'm not going to blame Javelin and Brandon Hall for that because I'm pretty sure they're coaching that. And if they're not, then we got a problem. But I'm pretty sure they're talking about that, especially with the lineage those two guys have. And then you talk about, you know, maybe it's the missed tackles you had last week. You know, Stutzman has a play. He's in position to take Garrett Green down, and he doesn't do it. Like, can't blame coaches for that. But anyway, it all goes back to what I said. It goes back to your effort, and it goes back to your GAS level. Your GAS, GAS level being your give a you-know-what level. So there's all those different things that tie into it. But back to Oklahoma State. Defense has got to put it all together this week. Like, you know it's being preached throughout that facility about how much this game means. And... You know, this isn't the ideal season for you, but I made this point last week on the Barry and Mac show. Like, this is a team that hasn't really given up yet. Like, they know it's not going the way, but they know that they're also laying a foundation here culturally wise and things like that. I say culturally wise. I don't even know if that's a word. But anyway, 
they know they're laying a foundation and things like that. And they know the results haven't been the best. But when you look at it, it's a team that's gotten a little bit better because look at the last two losses. They were about three points. So the whole nine yards hasn't just been awful. It's just they're shooting themselves in the foot so much. And that's been the biggest problem. You can't afford to do that this weekend because, I mean, you talk about the dumb penalties they had last week. You lost 14 points because of one penalty, and then you had the drop TD from Marvin Mims that killed you. So, like, all the mental mistakes is what's losing them games. I mean, it's the same thing against Baylor. Isaiah Coe has that dumb penalty, takes a guy's helmet off, or the Andrew Rain penalty before halftime, where, oh, you could have taken the lead, and then you get that penalty. Like, that screws everything up. This is a team that's like every time they get some momentum, momentum calls back and takes back what belongs to them. So they can never have anything nice. And we always talk about that, right? Like they can never, we can never have anything nice as as Oklahoma fans. But hopefully luck is on your side this week and you don't have to worry about that. But you got to clean up the penalties first. Like you got to clean up all that stuff. It's just all the little stuff that's killing them. When it comes to the stuff on the field, you have a complete opportunity to win this game. So I have full faith Oklahoma is going to win this one. Um, I think, honestly, to me, I think it'll be close. Like, I know I just gave that whole speech to kind of make it seem like I think Oklahoma is going to run them out of the stadium. And, I mean, look, they very well could. Like, here's the thing about Bedlam. And I know some people, when the, when the word got around that Bedlam wasn't going to be played when Oklahoma moves on to the SEC, like, people were like, well, it's not a rivalry anyway. I understand that point of view, but we can't act like Bedlam's not always a fun game. Like it's always a fun game to watch. It's always a fun game to to be at. It's always it's just something about it. It's always competitive. Now there are a few times like 2011 or 2020 where one team gets run out of the stadium. But you never know. That's the thing. So there's a part of me that feels like Oklahoma's just going to come out and play better than they have all season. Like Last one at home under the lights. This could be the best game they play all year. I have a feeling that could happen. At the same time, I have a feeling that it's going to be a close one. Like I went on in my prediction last night was 27-20. I think it ends up being close. Whether it comes down to the wire, I don't know. I mean, maybe Oklahoma has the ball with the lead in the fourth quarter and they just put the game on ice. I don't know. But, yeah, there's a lot that's going into it. And, and like, as far as Oklahoma goes, this is an offense that's averaging 500 are almost 500 yards since Dylan Gabriel's return from uh, his concussion. So they're going to have a shot to get some things going this week and clean up the mistakes that they had on Saturday. I mean, you can talk about the conditions all you want, but the other team dealt with the same conditions. But the conditions are a little bit better this week. I mean, it's going to be freezing, but it won't be raining. It won't be any of that. So uh, we'll see what what happens for this team. I mean, Oklahoma State's got some playmakers on defense. Um, I'm pretty sure Jason Taylor will be playing in this game. Uh, Kendall Daniels, he's a, he's a safety. They've got really good player. So going to be a fun one. But another part that's going to make it fun is the recruits that you've got on campus. And uh, I know all of you probably haven't even seen the visitors list. I know there's a ton of visitors. But for the top dogs, the ones that you're really going to have to be uh, kind of watching, we'll just start off with it right now. David Hicks, we all know about that. The four, the, the five-star D lineman committed to Texas A&M, number one D lineman in the 2023 class. Uh, the Bowen brothers, Peyton, Eli, Eli, the 2024 corner, Peyton, the 2023 safety. 
uh, five-star guy as well. Notre Dame commit. Definitely not going to sign with Notre Dame. Like I think we all know that by now. Uh, five-star quarterback commit Jackson Arnold. We all know about that one. Uh, future blitz period guest, by the way. Uh, and Damian Sanford. That's another interesting one. Four-star linebacker. 2023 guy committed to Texas a and as well. Teammates with David Hicks. Really good friends with him. So watch that one. Uh, 2024 edge rusher Nigel Smith. And 2023 running back commit Caleb Hicks will be on campus. And another guy, too. I really like this one. Interesting thing about this kid. He's from, he, he, he plays high school ball in Tennessee. From what I know, he's from Edmond, Oklahoma. So he, he comes from an OU family. But supposed to be the essential Colton Vassick replacement edge rusher. Three-star edge rusher Taylor Wine will be on campus this weekend. So got a pretty loaded list. And then three-star D-tackle Ashton Sanders out of one of those cities in California. So it's a big weekend for your visits. And the official visits, by the way, David Hicks will be on an official visit. Uh, another name I did not mention did not mention is uh, Kendall Doby, a uh, JUCO defensive back out of Northeastern Oklahoma State University up in Miami, Oklahoma. He'll be on campus as well. So pretty loaded list of visitors. Um, and I'll just tell you right now, like the guys I think Oklahoma ends up landing out of this visiting weekend, I think Taylor Wine ends up going in. Uh, I'm not saying these are going to happen directly after the weekend, but as far as closer to signing day, like I have full faith David Hicks signs with Oklahoma. I mean, you see the train wreck that is Texas A&M football right now. They haven't played well at all. And then you talk like, I know I say recruits don't care about results, and they really don't to me. And that's a reason why Oklahoma's class hasn't fallen apart. And I know people think the world is falling down on that, but A&M's got so many issues. I mean, it's not even just the on the field product. It's all the stuff they've got going on in the locker room. Like I think A&M, you thought the, the, the mass exodus last year was bad for the transfer portal for Oklahoma. Wait till you see A&M because they're about to lose everything. And, and it shouldn't come as a shock to anybody, but they're about to lose a lot as well. And, and that whole situation, like for Jimbo Fisher, man, it's really no excuse. Like, and I don't want to go down this whole road about Texas A&M football, but I mean, the guys in this fifth year, like we can't keep having that. We can't have that discussion. We have about Brent Venables now, which is wait till he gets his guys in, which again, do that. But like all these are Jimbo's guys. So we, there's really no excuse for them. But uh, David Hicks, I, I have full faith he's going to sign with Oklahoma. Um, when that announcement comes, probably early signing day. I don't know. could be before that. Peyton Bowen, I feel like definitely going to sign with Oklahoma. I mean, we talk about, you know, that situation. Notre Dame hasn't been all that much better than Oklahoma, but they have done some nice things. I mean, they beat Clemson last week, and Peyton was there for that game, I believe so. But, uh, like, Peyton Bowen, man, he probably has my favorite tape of anybody in the class. Um Reminds me a little bit of Honey Badger. Like, he's not directly Tyron Matthew, but when you think about how Tyron Matthew, when he was at LSU, you should just run around the field. It was always where the ball was at. I see a little bit of, a little bit of that in Peyton's uh, junior tape. So, really exciting player. Um, and a guy that could very well come in and make noise from day one if he ends up at Oklahoma. But, like, just a quick thought on this recruiting class. And, and like, the reason I think it hasn't fallen apart mainly just has to do with the fact that these are a bunch of guys that very well could come in and make some noise from day one. Because think about a P.J. Atabare. He's a guy 
that'll be here. He'll be he'll be moving. He'll be an early enrollee, so he'll be here early. Uh, think about a Caden Green. Think about a, I mean, Colton Vasek was one of those guys as well. But anyway, uh, think about maybe a Lewis Carter or uh, let's go with uh, a Macari Vickers or whatever name you want to say. This is a class that has some really serious potential to come in and make some things happen. So, like this class hasn't this class hasn't fallen apart yet because they're trusting it. Like. And and I made that whole little video last week about, you know, trusting the trusting the Brent Venables process and stuff like that. Like for you, for all you fans, man, like you don't need to listen to these idiots on Twitter that say, oh, man, y'all made the wrong decision or, oh, you may have, may have whiffed this higher. And I, I do want to show some love to George. Love you, George. But that tweet, brother, like, come on, man, we, we, we can't do that. But anyway, um. Like, don't listen to those people because you've got everybody within the program, people close to the program telling you, yeah, this guy's going to be great. Like, he's building something. He's going to do something special. And it mainly comes from the recruits because when you ask them, and I know like my guy, uh, Sooner Scoops, Josh McQuestion made this point yesterday on their podcast, The Unofficial 40. Make sure you guys go listen to that. It's awesome. But Josh made this point about... Like he was, he would talk to guys like PJ or he would reach out to these recruits and whatever he would mention decommitting, they would all kind of say, they wouldn't look at him side eyed because they weren't in person, but they would kind of say like, what are you talking about? So decommitting really isn't even at the front of their minds. Like when it comes to somebody like a Colton Vasek, you have to understand that because Colton's connection with, with Texas is all signs point towards you should have committed to Texas in the first place. Like, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't shocked when he committed to Oklahoma. I thought he was all but a Texas commit. And we all should have known that commitment wasn't going to stick, especially when you went up there and got waxed in Dallas. But it comes back to, like, the guy's dad played in Oklahoma, uh, played, played at Texas. He was born in Austin, grew up in Austin, lives in Austin now. So it all makes sense for him to be in a Longhorn. Like, you can't really be mad at the kid for that. It makes all the sense in the world. When it comes to somebody like an Ashton Cozart who decommitted earlier in the year, I don't really remember that whole situation, so I can't really tell you that. But, like, you've replaced that. Like, the only guy I think in this class that I would keep an eye on as far as that goes is an Anthony Evans. Anthony Evans, and it's and Anthony Evans, by the way, a speedy wideout out of uh, Converse Judson High School in Texas, four-star guy. Um, you know, Anthony, I mean, he, 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 he does make it seem like he's all in with Oklahoma and some of you may notice he's very active on the Instagram account and things like that. Reposted one of our posts the other day. But you think about, you know, like I've been flirting a little bit with Georgia. And this is not me saying that, like, he's going to decommit. Like, I, I really don't think he will. But I say, like, if he does, it shouldn't be a shock. But he's the only guy I'd probably keep my eye on if something was to happen. Other than that, there's nothing else I think you got to worry about on the recruiting class. I mean, you, you've done all you can do now. So, um, all is well on that end, but as far as the bowl eligibility thing, which is what you're fighting for this, for these next two weeks, you win this week, you are bowl eligible. <sighs> I think the biggest thing is, and, and like Brent Venables won't tell you this. None of the coaches will tell you this. And I would hope they don't that whatever bowl game they make, it ain't gonna matter. Like it's not going to be, it's not, it's going to be the freaking quick trip bowl. Like it's not going to be a bowl game that. You know, everybody needs to be 
hustling and bustling to get a flight ticket to go watch. Like, no, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But it matters, though, because the practices matter. And you have an opportunity to get these young guys going because we all talk about how we want to see Jaron Canick more or we want to see uh, a, a Gentry Williams more or we want to see a, a, a Robert Spears Jennings more. Just any name or Jaden Gibson, whatever you guys want to talk about because that's some of you guys that follow me on Instagram. You guys ask me those questions all the time of when is this guy going to play? When is this guy, that guy going to play? It all comes down to what you put in in practice. And like during a typical game week, the guys that aren't playing much more than likely they're running scout team and they're getting yelled at by the coaches for not doing the, for not reading the card correctly during scout teams and things like that. But when it comes to these ball games, you've got a pretty solid number of practices. I think the number is like 15. It's probably way less than that, but you've got a, a solid number of practices where you have a chance to get these guys more reps than they would usually during a game week. So they've got a chance to run, you know, Levy's offense, the roofs and Venables defense, like Jaron Kennett can settle in a little bit more. Kemp Lewis can settle in. Kobe McKenzie can settle in a little bit more. Uh, maybe like an Alton Tarber can settle in a little bit more. Or a a, uh, a a a Gentry Williams, like I said, or Robert Spears Jennings, or offensively. Maybe maybe just a Caden Helms or a, you know, I mean, Gavin Sawchuk is the interesting one because, like I said, you make a bowl game, Eric Gray more than likely ain't playing. So... Javante Barnes is going to be your RB1. Marcus Majors in there. And then Gavin Sawchuk's there. And Tawi Walker, of course. But and, and Gavin Sawchuk, I know on the question sticker the other day, a lot of people got onto me because I forgot to mention Gavin's name and the running back room. Listen, that was a complete accident. I know the guy's here. And I, I like I love the guy's game. Like really fast guy. A, a, a super quick, faster Rodney Anderson is, is kind of what he is. But maybe this is a chance where you see him get a lot more burnt. Because he ain't, he, I think he only got, he's only played like two snaps this entire season, I think. And that was in the TCU thrashing. So you've got an opportunity to get him going. I mean, you guys, some of y'all have idiotically made the call for Nick Evers to, to, be the, the, to be the starting quarterback. Now that won't happen, but maybe if there's just a practice where Levy's feeling spicy and he wants Nick Evers to run a little bit more of the offense than he lets him. Like you have. You have all these opportunities for a Jaden Gibson to get some more reps with the ones and things like that. So there's opportunity everywhere. A, a Jacob Taylor, or a Jacob Sexton, whatever the case may be. Uh, you've got a lot of opportunity here. So next two weeks are going to be interesting because, again, we don't know what can happen this weekend. Really don't know what's going to happen in Lubbock. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's all it's all all over the place. So. Here's the deal with the Blitz period, the pod. So I do want to say this real quick before we get ready to sign off. Um, as far as future guests, I did talk about possibly having Jackson Arnold on, or we will have Jackson Arnold on, just a matter of when. Uh, we discuss making that happen after he moves in to Oklahoma and gets settled in. Uh, our man Hayes Fawcett will be on next week to talk a little bit of OU football recruiting, talk about what his thoughts on the season are and stuff like that. For those of you who don't know Hayes, Hayes is the man when it comes to recruiting because he knows where, as he would say, he knows where these guys are going before anybody else. So we're gonna have him on here to, to discuss a little things. So to discuss a little recruiting, really for all, not even just Oklahoma, but we'll, we'll get into the weeds and of all that. Uh, we'll line up some more guests in the future. Have a lot of former players that 
guys people should be excited for, maybe even guys you've seen on the page before that we've talked to, but kind of going more in depth on all over this. So um, to plug the social medias real quick, like make sure you guys give us a follow on Instagram at Sooner Sports Daily. And we do have an Instagram account for the podcast. It is the Blitz period. It's in the bio of Sooner Sports Daily. So you should find it pretty quickly. We're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at underscore Jalen Ross. And the Twitter account for the for the podcast is the Blitz period with Jalen Ross. And then make sure you guys get signed up on the website at SoonerSportsDaily.com. Now, it's not your typical website. Like, we're not pumping out content every day. But there will be some pieces on there from time to time, like opinion pieces and things like that. You don't have to pay either. So you guys just get an email anytime we upload something. But uh, we appreciate you guys listening today. Make sure you guys leave a leave a leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think, leave some feedback and things like that. The plan is to have these out every Wednesday, if not Wednesday, definitely Thursdays. Um, more than likely, we'll have be doing post game podcasts as well. Uh, I will be at Bedlam, so that's going to be a long night. So probably wouldn't get that up until Sunday morning. But we're going to do all we can this off season to make some things happen. So thank you guys for listening. FTP and Boomer Sooner.